Apple presents events at the Apple Store. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this afternoon's guest moderator, Ashley Clark. Cool, so good evening. My name's Ashley Clark. Um, thanks so much for coming out. I'm your host for this evening's uh, Tribeca Meet the Filmmakers talk. Um, I'm really excited to introduce the people that we have for this film. It's a really kind of fascinating, moving, original documentary entitled In My Father's House. Uh, and we've got the, the filmmakers and the stars of the film for you. Um, the film's part of Tribeca's world documentary uh, feature competition. Uh, it had its world premiere last night uh, and it'll screen three more times. So tonight, Sunday and on Thursday. So you've got plenty of chances to see it. So make sure you do. Um, before we bring the filmmakers to the stage, we're going to throw to the trailer so you can have a look at what the film's all about. Every day, I've been seeing black males that are being shot and killed in our city. What we're going to talk about is fatherhood, how that can lead to reducing the violence in our city. I haven't spoken to my father since I was 12 years old. I wonder if he knows that I'm Ron He's from Chicago. He won a Grammy for co-writing Jesus Walks the Kanye West song. When I found my father, he was homeless on the west side of Chicago. This is for me, man. This is Ryan Bash. We're going through some hard times. Homeless and jobless, too. Shit, drinking alcohol in a public way. Drinking this alcohol. This is a fresh job for me, man. I want you to do good, man. I'm rooting for you. <laughs> Things are looking up. It's this one. You drinking, man. You buy alcohol with the money. I'm a functional alcoholic. This is something I've been doing all my life, and then you'll tell me to stop it? It's like a bird not flying. It's like a fish not swimming. It ain't happening. You gotta wanna be better. You gotta wanna change. I want a father that I'm proud to walk down the street with. You gotta be better. I don't want this to become, I become the father and he becomes the son. I guess what I'm looking for is seeing what I could be. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a piece of him. Okay, so everybody, could you please uh, join me in welcoming to the stage uh, the film stars, Che Reimfest-Smith and Brian Tillman, and uh, co-directors Ricky Stern and Annie Sundberg. Yeah, go ahead. So, I mean, I'm sure from, even from the trailer there, even that one-minute clip that we saw, you can see it's a very powerful film. Um, and I think we should really start by asking how you guys all came to this story. I'll start with you guys down the end. How did you get the idea? And then how did you all meet? Um, we were friends with a producer in LA, that Daniel Kellison, that Che knew from doing a, a show with him. And he called us up and said, you know, I want you to meet this rapper. He's been documenting a little bit of his life. He moved into this new home and he's been searching for his father. And his father, he moved into his father's childhood home and he, he was searching for him. And so we spoke to Che on the phone and it just sounded like an amazing opportunity. They were gonna be reunited and go on this journey together to really understand who his father was and, and his legacy um, of having grown up without his father. And um, we sort of jumped on it right away. I mean, we, I think we had a phone call pretty immediately and then just started talking with Che and you had already started shooting mm -hmm. the beginning of that journey. And so we immediately asked to see all the footage and you were great and sent it over and that's how it began. 
Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because you'd already started on this journey yourself. What what motivated you to really kind of take it to the next step with these filmmakers? You know, I read something that said if you feel like you have a life worth living, you should write about it. And if you don't write about your life, it's kind of like in the scope of history, it never happened. And so now we live in the future, right? So not only can you write about your life, you can film it and you can edit it and you can have it for like your, your children or your little brothers or people after you to see. So me being an artist who has been recording my life, you know, now I'm going on this new journey to find my father. Not only can I record it, not only can I write about it, we can film it. And so we did. Yeah. And I think the word journey is very appropriate and that, you know, you really, you're taken on a real journey through this film. And to kind of get a sense of the start of the journey, if, if possible, if we could roll to the first clip, uh, Moon's Diner. I just, I just wish you was there more, man, when I was growing up, you know? I wish I was there more, too. But, Jay, I really wasn't growing up, man. I really was. We got to get you a place to stay. You got to yeah. get, get out the street. Yeah, that's what I like to do. Yeah, right. Uh, you got to gonna... stop drinking. I got what? You gotta stop drinking. Whoa, now. You tell the bird not to fly. You tell the fish not to swim. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been doing this for so long. How can you change now? So, Brian, I'm kind of interested in and your thought process when, when it became clear that you were going to be a part of this film. How did you feel about that? And, and how do you feel right now seeing yourself up there in front of crowds? Well, I mean, I'm going to tell you on a real tip, I never thought I'd look like that, you know, but maybe because I didn't have no mirror <laughs> to see. <laughs> but, uh, you know, coming as far as the movie, I, I never, you know, I never gave it any really good thought about it. But then, you know, it took years, you know, to make this here thing and whatnot, and man, it was it was kind of wild and you know crazy. But I went, I went, I went through a whole bunch in this movie and whatnot, and you know, it kind of you know paved its own way and whatnot. I'm really proud of it. And then the thing about it is, when my my my, my grandsons and my my granddaughters, they're gonna have kids and. They go. They they gonna say, hey man, oh, my dad did pretty good, you know, not having a dad, but but our dad was really looking out for me, you know. It's gonna be pretty good. It's going down in legacy, you know. I, I, I'm proud of this movie. I'm, I'm I really got to stand up for it. I mean, I'm really man. And you had the world premiere last night in front of a huge crowd. I mean, how did that feel coming up in front of hundreds of people? <laughs> Well, you know, that, that, that didn't hardly too much, you know, mean nothing to me because I had to sleep with a hundred people, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> so that wasn't no big thing. But, you know, the big thing, you know, is, is right here, you know, talking in front of a whole bunch of people because I'm, I'm, I, 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 I was never a stand-up type of person to talk to a whole bunch of people and whatnot except duck that bullet. You know, I tell them to do, do that. Yeah, that's about as far as I'd go when it come down to talk to a crowd. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and with the film in general, there's a very strong series of social messages. It's a very socially conscious film. And perhaps the three of you could, could talk about that and how you came to kind of putting those messages forward. 
well, you know, I'm from Chicago, right? So we're from Chicago. So if you think about even the most successful Chicago artists, if you think about Lupe, Fiasco, or Common, or Kanye, or Rhymefest, like there's always a social conscience to it. And it's because if you look at the situations in Chicago, Chicago is a blue collar town with some of the most violence in, in the country. And, and also political violence, also corrupt politics. Like Chicago is a very complicated city, but even within all of that, you have the greatest people in the world that are developed in Chicago. I mean, Jesse Jackson comes from Chicago, Curtis Mayfield, Fannie Lou Hamer, Farrakhan, Barack Obama had to go to Chicago to get political acumen to even be able to be president. So he had to survive that. And so we survived various elements, you know? We, we have an artistic program called Donda's House that Kanye, myself, and my wife created for young people to get out the streets. I teach creative writing. We use Kanye's capacity. We, we have artists that teach different programs. But when you look at the social consciousness of this, this movie, that's because Chicago is so um, destitute, impoverished in certain areas, violent in certain areas, but there's always a sense of hope and urgency coming through it. So I think that's going to come through in anything you do coming out of Chicago. In the same way that New York City is the economic capital of the world. So if you come to New York City, you're going to see multiculturalism. You're going to see, like, New York represents what's getting ready to happen in your town. You know what I mean? And so, and so Chicago represents how to fix what's in your town. <laughs> I was just going to add to that that we we don't a lot of our films are about social issues, but really told through very intimate stories. And you can see just hearing from Che that we didn't have to try at all. I don't I don't even think the film the film definitely doesn't message. In fact, it's very much just a verite film about their journey, but the messages come through. And I was just going to say that when we started filming, when we first met Che, Chicago was coming off one of the worst year for homicide. I think it had broken records. And um, so we were, at one point we were trying to figure out, you know, this is about a broken family that's trying to figure out a way to heal. Is this about a broken community? Are there larger holistic layers of the storytelling? And I think the other thing is um, the area that Che and Brian are from, south side of Chicago, has its own history. And it's sort of this backdrop. But um, yeah, it was funny because we were, we were reading all these violence studies and we were trying to figure out at what point, like how does that play into the story? But it was always organic, like what was impacting Che or Brian and if it was or wasn't, then it's sort of irrelevant to the film. Yeah. And it seemed to me like Chicago and in particular the house, which of the title is very much a character in itself. Can, can you speak to that idea? Yeah, um, so Che, go, the beginning of the film is he's driving and he finds he and his wife are gonna look for a house to raise their children and they find that his father's childhood home is for sale and he tracks down his cousin and he buys it and while he's living there he's haunted by the the memories of his of, of the few times he went there and, and spent time with his father and he decides to go on a journey and find his father he doesn't even know if he's living he hadn't seen him in 25 years and so the house represents it's the keeper of memories it's really a, home in the, a house in the beginning and a home in the end. And it, it's by reconciling with his father, the house you just see organically becomes this place where they have great meals together and it unifies the family. Yeah. And it seems like a very appropriate title, you know, to, yeah. when you're watching the film. And it's appropriate because 
I don't believe in America that the nuclear family exists anymore, right? So we have to get out of this thing that like, you're supposed to have a mom and a dad and some children. And you know, like at, at the end of the day, families can be defined different ways. Like I, I was very um, happy about the fact that although my father wasn't around for the last 27 years, my mother encouraged me to find my father. And when my mother and my father saw each other for the first time in, in over two decades, they loved each other. You know what I mean? Like there was still love, even though she was upwardly mobile and he was off the street, you know? And, and that love that they still shared, like motivated me to love my father even more. Sometimes we have families where the love between parents is gone and the child is trying to figure out where to go or which way to go. And, and also interesting that I'm 35 years old, still looking for a father, a man in my life. And I think that there are a lot of grown men and we don't talk about men's relationships with their parents. Men are kind of put out there on our own after a certain age, right? And, and, and so it's, it was important for me as a man to show my son that it was okay to forgive and to love. And yeah, it seems to me very much a film about openness and not, not keeping secrets. It's so brave of all of you to kind of put that stuff on the screen. And the film also gives you an opportunity to talk about your own past. And that's quite an important, for me, quite an important part of the film. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean, I had a hard time myself now. You know, things wasn't easy back in them days, you know? Uh, you know, I, I was living with my parents and whatnot, and then all of a sudden, you know, they get old, they got to die too, you know, but that's, that's what happened. Once they dead, then I, I had to, you know, I had to keep going, moving on and whatnot. I mean, I was, I mean, I was real young when I had Che and whatnot, but the time that I was with him, I mean, I took him everywhere I went. He might have forgot them days but whatnot, but he was with me everywhere I went, he was going with me too and whatnot, you know. And but see, that's one of the things that I think parents do. Like I think, I think, and I, lo I love my father, right? But I think my father makes excuses for not being there. So my father still, right now, like I'd be like, well, when you were one, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's easy, like yeah, the first yeah. year. What about when I'm five or 10 well, or five? Really Hold on, but like you, like you, man, it's like, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not mad about it. I understand, I think what your issue is is deeper because your father was in your life, yeah. but your father was a criminal and your father was an abuser. And like there's a part in the movie where he talk about his father hanging him from the pipes and putting shotguns to his head. Yeah. So then you ask yourself, is it better to have a parent that's absent or a parent that's abusive? So of course, like, so when it got hard for my father, rather than be abusive to me and my mom, he fell back and fell into a hole. You know what I'm saying? And I think, I think, you know, this is why therapy is important. And, and we still have to do our therapy journey. But I think my father hasn't really come to terms with what he really went through. So when, when he talk about what he went through, he really don't go too much into the abuse. Yeah, well, that, I mean, believe me. That house was a torture chamber to me when I was young, you know? And I didn't want to make that into a torture chamber for you or your grand, I mean, for my grandkids, you know? So I, you know, I kind of stepped back a little bit. But you stepped so far back, you was in the alley. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? True so man. it's kind of like, you know, now we got to bring you back from, like, it's still things. And then, and then you step back into 
alcoholism. You know what I'm saying? And and, and that's something that that now we gotta we gotta fix that. You know. So forward. so for you guys as filmmakers, I'm sorry, we're getting into a therapy. No no no. no. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I, you know what I say is, it ain't broke. Don't try to fix film. it. It's broke though. But for for the filmmakers, when it comes to dealing with such obviously sensitive subject matter, and also when when you're filming a documentary, the, the course of life changes week to week, day to day. If in case there's any aspiring documentary filmmakers in the house, how do you kind of deal with that ever-shifting course of life when you're capturing it? Well, I mean, one thing, and then we always say, if, we, if, if, um, if it happened and we weren't there, it didn't happen. You know, it's like when your baby takes the first steps and you didn't see it, it didn't happen. So we just, because we were in New York, they were in Chicago. But we talked a lot on the phone, right? I mean, we, we did a lot of like two hour, you know, just, you know, what is going on? How are you feeling? And so, so there was sort of an emotional connectiveness, even when we weren't there, um, that helped us sort of figure out what was going on so that we could plan shoots and, and, be, and be able to capture it. Yeah, and I think the unfolding elements, I mean, that's part and parcel of being a documentarian. I mean, you can make an event movie or you can choose to follow something that has a limited duration, but I mean, it was truly an open-ended journey when the, the process began. I mean, Shay, you weren't even sure how you felt about it at the beginning if you were gonna stick with it. You know, so it's, you sort of have to be willing to just kind of make the choices as you're going. And I think the other thing that we've always done is on those journeys, it's whether or not things are relevant to the theme of the film. And I think that that's what we were discussing too earlier. It's like how important is the backdrop of Chicago to the story? How much is that part of the story? Or even Brian, how much was the story with your own brothers? You know, when you know you have your conversation with it, there are scenes that don't make it in the film for a variety of reasons because they're not ultimately serving the theme of the film. So. Yeah, and I mean, I see what, watching the film on at least three or four occasions, you, you see moments of intense emotion that you think maybe at this point, either of you could have walked away. <laughs> I think you, it happened. chose not to. Once or twice or three times. After my first album, it didn't, I was signed to J Records. I, in fact, I made my first album right down the street, me and a guy named Mark Ronson. And um, it didn't really do uh, sales-wise what, what we thought it would do. And, and I fell back out of music, and I uh, fell behind my friends. So I was like, you know, Common, what are you doing? I'll write with you. And Kanye, what are you doing? I'll write with you. And I kind of pushed them out there and stopped telling my musical story and, or start telling it through others, you know? And, and, and I realized when, when you look at Common, his mom is a, is a doctor and a vice principal. His father was a basketball player and they both were in his life. Kanye's mother was a Fulbright scholar, uh, expert in Russian poetry. His father was a Black Panther and a minister and they both were influential in his life and they taught their children, don't give up, don't quit. You get up, you go back out there. And then you look at me, a son of a 15 year old girl who grew up with his mother, without a father, basically. And, and when I fell, I just stood behind the people who were taught correctly. And so what this film does and what connecting back with my father does is give me a type of completeness with music where I'm like, you know what? I need to write my own story. I need to put it out there and jump from behind the shadows. So, you know, while I love Kanye, um, this, is, this is the moment where the last song that I wrote for someone was a song called Glory uh, with Common and John Legend. We won an Oscar. That was the circle of completeness. And now it's time for us to tell a new story. Round of applause for that. Now, is it time to throw up to the audience?
Yeah, I think we're gonna, we've got time for some audience questions. I'd like to hear uh, how you, know, you, you guys manage them a little bit. It, also, I'd like to hear how this will ultimately impact on your music. Will you be writing some music that will reflect the journey of the film? Mm. How did you manage that? How did we us? manage that? <laughs> well, we did came we? up with a list. And we how did we manage them? <laughs> we did not manage them. Um, yeah. Every, every. No, you know what? They the process was 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 what it was. You know, like sometimes it was not great. You know that they were kind of icier, or Che was more frustrated, and sometimes it was very loving, and you just kind of didn't really necessarily know what you were going to walk into. But we would talk, as I said, like a lot before we would go to Chicago. So kind of understanding what stage was going in. In the beginning, it was a honeymoon. It was like, oh my God, I met my father, and he's funny, and he's smart, and he's you know, wants to get his shit together, and right? And he's going into this program, he's stopping drinking, it's amazing, and it was just like, you knew there was gonna be this crash, and you just kept sort of waiting for it, and you started to suspect that it was gonna happen, and essentially it happened. Yeah, and it's in terms of music, I believe that, that does anybody here do music? Anybody into music? Nobody? You all just like film? Okay, so um, basically with music, I think that music and movement work in tandem and what I've been recently learning through you know watching things and things that are happening is that you know uh, a congressman by the name of John Conyers wanted a King holiday and, and, and was sending bills through Congress for two decades but it wasn't until someone named Stevie Wonder made a song called Happy Birthday that it moved and it happened people were protesting the Vietnam War for years, getting beat up and killed by our own government, going to prison. Muhammad Ali went to prison over the Vietnam War, and it didn't end until someone named Marvin Gaye made a song called What's Going On? And somehow we all figured it out, right? And so when we look at Selma and Glory and Anniversary and what's happening today with police brutality, and that song Glory comes and it goes to an Oscar, and it just, it, 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 the, the, the music moves a movement. I believe that movement and music should work together to change the world, and that's how my music has changed. Once you um, reunited with your father, did you realize some of the musical influence that things that you remember from your childhood? Well, I realize what? Some of the musical influence that influenced you as an adult that maybe you received from your childhood reuniting with your father. No, things that you like well, maybe heard as a child that he played in the house or things so musical that influences that you had no, in your childhood? No, no, none of that. He, my father liked like funk and parliament. Yes, I, I'm not, did. see that, I, don't, I ain't into that. I'm, I'm like, into I, don't, all, I do not like rap, but I, 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 I sometimes listen to his rap, you know. Whatever. <laughs> so like, <laughs> it's like, you know, he wants to see you, the mother. You inherited right. his words, his, I, uh, I his ability to speak. I did, I did, but you know. Last question. I want to say I used to live in Chicago, so it's a real honor to hear you speak. And um, I was just thinking, because you've done so much from music to education to politics, and then thinking about this movie itself, which I can only imagine the impact it's going to have on so many young people to see your journey. So I'm so excited that it's out. What do you think in terms of your total body of work? What do you want your legacy to be as you move forward hmm. in general? Yeah. Man, I'm going to say something real deep, and it might seem crazy, <laughs> but I ran for office, right? And it was my first time running. I never ran, but I saw Chicago was hurting, and I figured artists have creative solutions to common problems, and nobody thought I would win. Everybody, my father said the first time he knew about me was when 
uh, he saw a rapper running for office. And he said, man, only a clown would, would rap and try to run for office. And then he found out it was his son. Yeah. He was yeah. following the news. He didn't even know where I was or what I was. And then somebody said, that's right. And he looked and said, that's my son. He's the clown. And so, but what we were able to do with that political run, I pushed the, the opponent into a runoff. I got endorsed by the teachers union, the labor union. We lost by like 150 votes out of thousands and thousands of votes, we were able to push the boundary. Look, man, I'm a parent, I'm a grown man. Like, don't treat me like I'm Lil Bibby or like some little dude, you know. Artists now, Bum B is a grandfather teaching classes at St. John's University. Jay-Z is a mogul. Like, it's time, artists have pushed the boundaries in terms of capitalism, but what about social efforts? What about political efforts? It's time for us to take our place as adults and as the next leaders of this country, as artists. And so, I want my, I want my legacy, I want my legacy to be pushing, pushing boundaries, and I want progressives, because I am a progressive, I want progressives to uh, move closer together and stop working from so far apart. Email is not enough. We must live in the same communities and build those communities out the same way dumb non-progressives build their dumb communities out. We gotta bring our families back. Thank y'all very much. Well, a big round of applause for Annie Sundberg, Ricky Stern, Che Reinfeldt-Smith, and Brian Tillman.